2: G'day guys, welcome back to the Rugby League Guru Podcast, something a little bit different today with a guest that we haven't on in, had on in quite some time, Clarkie from Clarkie's Rugby League column. How are we, mate?
1: G'day, Guru. How are you? Great to be back for the listeners.
2: Mate, it's been a while.
1: Yeah, it has, it has. We sort of got halfway through our uh, best ever lineups, and then I think that was around the time when there's all the COVID lockdowns and everything, and it sort of threw everything into disarray.
2: Mate, I know that people were a bit upset when we uh, pulled plug on those, so we might have to get back into them. I did enjoy those. We'll try and get stuck into them over the next few weeks. Yeah. But uh, it's been a busy time for you, mate.
1: Yeah, very busy time, man. The thought is about to turn one year old. It's been a busy year. Um, you know, the, obviously the world's been crazy, but I think um, just I think I could speak on really everyone. It's just good to have the footy back consistently, and and um, you know, it's just great to have it on the weekends and. No matter what else is going on in the world, as long as us punters have
2: footy, we're happy men men and women, sorry. Mate, 100%. And speaking of the footy, we're going to get into our teams of 2022 so far, go position by position, name our best, and then talk about the guys that are, you know, guys that have improved a lot or guys that just missed that sort of mark. We're also going to dive into our coach of the year so far, so we're only taking into consideration form so far. In 2022, mate, I assume we'd both be pretty similar for fullback. Do you want to kick us off there?
1: Yeah, I don't think anyone will really disagree with us on this one. There'll be a, a few points that are uh, be really hotly debated as we go on, but for this one, it's Ryan Papenhuisen for me. Nine games, twelve tries, six try assists, nine line breaks, thirty-one tackle breaks, and averaging 131 meters. Unfortunately, he is out for the next four to six weeks, and. That really is unfortunate for footy fans because he was starting to break all sorts of point scoring records.
2: Mate, he has just been untouchable in the first few weeks. It's, I mean, I, I, me and Denham were saying the other day, it's incredible how much, how different he is to Billy Slater as in body shape, but just how similar they play. It's incredible.
1: It is. And a, and a key point to that is that Billy Slater is still actively involved coaching down there. And I think that's also a big reason why we've seen the Scott quarters, Nico Hines, Jerome Hughes and... And now Ryan
2: can really flourish in that fullback role. Mate, he's been so special down there, Pappy. Mate, who were the guys that you had sort of as your next best sort of guys? I've got four names written down here. I had Drinky, Gutho, Edwards, and Will Kennedy that I think have been great to kick off the season. Uh, who were the other names that you had thrown into the mix?
1: Yeah, right up there is my second pick. I had James Tedesco. I think he's been unreal for the Roosters and just because they haven't been getting the results is maybe why people might be looking over, uh, overlooking Teddy. Um, he's been fantastic for them. He, he knows his role and his role is to, you know, get the footy and, and just play with in front of me. He does it so well for a couple smokies or next best. Uh, again, I couldn't go past Scotty Drinkwater. You can tell how hungry he is and how much he wants to remain in the NRL. Haven't been out for a few weeks now. And then Dylan Edwards. Um, I think I think I read this on your page, he's not the best fullback in the comp, but he is the best fullback for Panthers, sort of going back to knowing your role and just doing it so well.
2: Mate, he just fits that team so perfectly, doesn't he? I mean, to think that they've gone to back-to-back grand finals and their fullback has never played a rep game, I mean, that, that's incredibly rare in the modern game for such a successful team to have a player in that spot that isn't you know, highly recognised as far as the rep arena goes, but he just does a job every fucking week. He's incredible.
1: He does. It's interesting. We're sort of in a in a stage now where in previous years we had the great halfbacks, Cooper Cronkett, and then JP, who played six in rep games, and then Cameron Smith, and it held out so many great players like your Robbie Farris, your your Mick Ennis's, and it'll be very interesting to look back in this period in 10 years and think, how many great fullbacks missed out on rep footy because of your James Tedesco's of the world?
2: And, mate, he, he, he's so unique, Edwards. He, he reminds me so much of uh, Luke Patton back in the day. He's a great fullback. He's in a great side. He plays a critical role. But he's not the sort of guy you can play at centre. He's not the sort of guy you can play on the wing. He is just an out-and-out out fullback. And, mate, I, I think there's a fair argument that he's probably the best value fullback in rugby league. You consider the money that Penrith are paying for him, and then you compare it to the money that these other teams are playing, these real superstar representative fullbacks. I mean... Mate, Dylan Edwards plays more games in them every single year because he doesn't disappear for three months smack in the middle of the year to go and play Origin.
1: And what it's really been able or really allowed Penrith um, the ability to do is lock down Nathan Cleary and Jerome Luai on long-term deals. And then you think Api Korosau has been their hooker for a number of years now. We, we are seeing him leave next year to the Tigers. But without someone like Dylan Edwards on, on what I guess you would consider a budget deal compared to what some of these other fullbacks collect, it's allowed them to keep the core of that spine together, which has allowed them to go back-to-back in the grand finals. So, I mean, he will go down as a great club man for the Panthers. He's playing great footy, and um, I've been really impressed with him this year.
2: And Mate, oh, I think as well, Clint Gutherson, he's had a good season. Um, I probably wouldn't have had him on my list until last week, but for him to stand up in the biggest game of their season so far, I thought he was one of the best on the field, and I thought it was the best game uh, of his season so far against the Penrith Panthers, a massive effort there.
1: Yeah, I don't think it's too far to say that the Yields don't win without him in that game. Um, it was such a tight contest. I mean, you could probably make that argument for a lot of fullbacks, but just the work that Guston gets through. Um, this year, he's averaging 153 run metres, but there's been games where he's been up around the 200 mark. He just does so much on and off the footy for the Yields that a lot of fans might miss.
2: Now, mate, let's move to our wingers. Yeah. I found this reasonably difficult. I had two, I had one probably standout guy, which I can't believe he, he's in this team considering uh, where he started at the start of the season. The other spot, I had it down to about three or four names, and this is probably the position where I've got the most names written down um, as my guys were unlucky not to make it. I went Talon May. He was my first choice winger, I just think, for the Panthers He's been unbelievable. I was having a look at some stats today, and like obviously he scored all the tries, the line breaks, tackle breaks is awesome. I was having a look at the most run metres in rugby league, and as far as a winger goes, uh, the most run metres is Corey Oates, but he's played nine games. Taylor May's played seven. I averaged it out across games. Taylor May's running for about 15 more metres than Corey Oates and is by far and away averaging the most metres uh, for wingers in rugby league. I've been high on him for a, a couple of years, and to see what him and Tungo have done, has just been amazing. So I, I, I had to put May straight into my side. Did he get a bait in yours?
1: Yeah, he did. I mean, I just go back to what you said: one hundred and seventy-five average run meters. The fact that I sort of got the feeling after watching his first three games for the Panthers that when I knew Brian Toto was you know close to returning, I started to think Charlie Sainz is going to miss out again here because you just simply can't, you cannot put Taylor May back to reserve grade. Right? He's playing such great footy and. One real interesting thing that I'm sure a lot of fans will be excited hearing is he's actually on contract from next year, I believe. So if I was other teams, correction, if I was any of the 15 other teams, I would 100% be calling and seeing if I could get him across the line.
2: I'll tell you what, if my last name was May, I don't know if I'd be leaving uh, Ivan Cleary in the Penrith Panthers, but he would be a great get for a number of teams there. Mate, my other winger I went with, and this this one I found really difficult, I went with Mulatalo from the Cronulla Sharks. I think he has been outstanding this year. I don't think he's getting the recognition that he should be getting. Um, you know, he's scored a lot of tries, line breaks and everything, but it's the work that he's doing out of his own end. Defensively, he's been really strong too. I went Mulatalo, but I reckon I could name another three or four guys that I think there's a chance you might have gone including him. Who did you have?
1: Yeah, for me, Mulatalo was sort of in my smoky um, category there. But my next best was Xavier Coates. Probably a little bit controversial in the fact that he doesn't do as much work out of his own end as someone like a Taylor Mayer, a Corio or a Mulatalo. But the, the winger's main focus in rugby league is to score tries right. And Xavier Coates is doing that. He's, he's got 10 tries now from eight games, eight line breaks. He's averaging over 100 metres per game. So I think he's doing a great job there for the Storm. And he's doing his job perfect. It's exactly what the Storm need him to be, having lost
2: Josh Adokar. Mate, I uh, when we had Shander on the show a couple of weeks ago, we sat down before the show and I was talking to him about Xavier Coates and he was just saying that, he said to me, oh, look, I don't have time to explain what he's doing because it'll take ages, but I can already see from being a winger at the Melbourne Storm what Craig Bellamy has done with him in defence. And he sort of said, you watch him. He will not concede many tries this year, whereas the last few years he's conceded an absolute heap. So I'd love to get inside that Melbourne Storm system and see what exactly they've done with Xavier Coates. Because I think his defense has been incredible so far this year. He hasn't got enough credit for it. He was my second choice after Mulatalo. I just don't think Mulatalo is getting the credit that he deserves. Mate, other guys that I had names there. I had Corey Oates. Uh, I had Daniel Tupu, who's always been solid, Ruben Garrick. And, mate, I also had Staines in there. I, I understand that he's the third-best winger at the Penrith Panthers, but fuck, I thought he opened up the season well. My greatest criticism of Staines was that he never went looking for the football coming out of his own end. He was rolling his sleeves up and going berserk in those first few weeks, I think because he knew his spot was under serious pressure. Who else did you have as your wingers that got close?
1: Yeah, it's interesting you say that about Staines because he's the third best at Panthers, like you said, but he's probably the best. So I had a lot of other clubs. Um, for, for my next category, I had Ronaldo Mulatalo, As you said, I think you summed it up perfectly. He's been incredible, particularly with his centre partner this year, Corey Oates from the Broncos. Um, it, it's almost unbelievable to think that I did not even consider Corey Oates for any of my predicted Broncos lineups this year. Neither did I. I, I had I, Jordan for no. that. Yeah. You didn't? No, and yeah. I don't think that's a. I don't think that's a crazy take. I think. If a lot of a lot of people sort of cast their mind back, he was heavily out of favour. Reports suggest that he was starting the year in reserve grade, and something must have changed, or maybe those reports were wrong. Because once he got his spot, he has made it very clear that he's not going to let it go. I've been really impressed with him. And then uh, one other winger I've got to I've got to mention Daniel Tupou, uh, probably the most consistent winger outside of Brett Morris in the last decade in the NRL. Daniel Tupou just does his role week in, week out. He starts the rooster sets well. He does everything you want from a winger. He's extremely safe under the high ball. And I just think because he's been at such a consistent level for so long, we just expect it now, and we don't really give him the credit he deserves.
2: Mate, it's crazy about where uh, Corey Oates is at now, because they're like, I mean, mate, there was a time at the start of the year, and I'm sure that you would have heard this mail too, mate. I'd heard that he was almost a done deal going to the Parramatta Eels. Like, I thought he was gone. From there, I thought that he would end up at Redcliffe next year for sure. It's crazy the turn he's taken. And I would argue um, that his life's been made a little bit hard by the man inside him, Herbie Farmworth. He doesn't pass the ball to him. He's like fucking um, Zoolander. He can't go left. He always shoots back in. So, mate, what Corey Oates has done this year has been incredible. I can't believe where he's at. And I'm the same as you, mate. I had Jordan Pierre on that wing. I'm not sure if Corey Oates would have been my next choice winger, realistically. I, I thought he was in some serious curry. Let's move to centers, mate. Um, for me, I have got... I picked Mulatalo. I've also gone Sifatalakai. This was hard because Sifa uh, he's only been playing center for a couple of weeks. But I have a look at the games that he's played and, you know, obviously put an absolute train uh, through the Manly Seagulls. Despite them losing, he absolutely gave it to the Melbourne Storm that day. And, you know, the last few weeks... People keep telling me, oh, he's quiet, he's lost it. I mean, if you go and have you have a look at the stats, he's running for almost 200 metres every single week. He's having six to seven tackle breaks. He's not hitting the same highs that he was three weeks ago when he was doing stuff that we've never seen anyone do before. But, mate, even games where guys contain him well, like, everyone messaged me and said, oh, Tony Staggs held him down so well. I'm going, you know what he did, but he still ran for 180 fucking metres. still had 19 hit-ups. He is doing everything at the moment, Talakai. My biggest worry about him was always going to be his defense, was always going to be uh, his inconsistency. And mate, I mean, as much as it has been a shorter sample size, this is the longest period of time we've seen Talakai be as consistent as he is. And I've got to tell you, I'm not convinced he's a center either. So for him to be here, an incredible effort. Did you uh, have Sifra on your side?
1: Yeah, he's my leading centre as well. I think just particularly what we saw against Manly Seagulls, I'll say that probably, I don't know recency bias is a thing, but I think it was probably the greatest half of footy I've ever seen from a, a player in the NRL. He he basically won them the game in the first half. Um, Manly were great in the second half, but the damage was already done by one man out of the 26 on the field that day, and that was Cifitalica, absolutely incredible. I, I knew he played centres um, in the juniors and when he first came into the league, but... I always sort of thought with his bigger frame now that he's more suited to the back row, but I, I was wrong. Um, it's incredible what he's doing this year. And as you said, it's the little things as well that because he's come off such a great game against Manly, people sort of expect that every week. And it's just not possible in the NRL where you studied for a whole week leading up to a game. But what he does do is early hit-ups, tackle breaks. And because he gets such a good start, I've seen him a few times this year where teams have just given away the penalty or given away the six to go. Uh, because he had such a great hit-up and was aiming for that fast play the ball. So I think he does a lot for the Sharks and thoroughly deserves his spot here.
2: Mate, there, there was a time at the start of last season where he played about three games and he got um, suspended. And I made a pretty rogue call to say the year that I, I thought he'd be a state-of-origin smoky. And that, that's the thing that I've always noticed with him. Whenever he takes a hit-up, I was having a look at it last year, the three games he played, uh, it, it was something like every eighth hit-up he took, the Cronulla Sharks scored on the next play he just... The entire team just has to sink in on him. And there's always three to five guys that are involved in that tackle. He's got a quick play of the ball. You see him when he plays the ball. If you pause your TV screens, you've got the two markers. Then you've got another two to three defenders that are never back in position. It's it's such an incredible skill set or ability to have that Talca. He's just able to disarray defensive lines in one hit-up. And it, it, it can win you an entire set in that one play of the ball. Mate, my other centre... A number of options to go through here. I had a heap of names I could have gone for. I've gone for a consistent guy that's been great, I think, from the first round to now. I've gone for Valentine Holmes. I think there's been other guys that have probably hit higher ceilings, but I look at their flaws this season, and at times they have been disappointing. Valentine Holmes, I just think he's been an 8 out of 10 every single week so far this year. Who did you have?
1: Yeah, probably a controversial pick. I suspect a lot of people won't agree with me. I've gone with Katoni Stags. I think he's been really impressive for the Broncos. He probably didn't start the year as strong as he would have liked to, but in particular, the last month of footy, he's playing, especially now knowing that he's close to the Blues jumper, he's gone looking for the footy a bit more. He looks a bit more hungry. Um, and I've been really, really impressed with Katoni so far this year. But as I said, I, I can see why a lot of people would uh, go your route and go for someone that's probably been more consistent across the nine rounds to date.
2: Mate, I'll tell you, that my, my first one was Val Holmes. My second one, and it'll be another controversial one, but I just think he's been so consistent. I would have gone for Campbell Graham from the South Senior Rabbitohs. Those two are having incredible seasons. You've obviously got guys like Stephen Crichton's been great. Isaac Tungo, uh, for the first five weeks, I thought he was probably the best center. He's he's just struggling a little bit now, uh, which is expected. He's, he's a young guy coming into first grade. Stags, as you said, he's probably had the biggest highlights of all these guys, and when he's at his best, there's no doubt for me right now, he probably is the most damaging centers, but... Uh, I had to take a little bit off him for the start of the season because that was just a fucking disaster. Joey Manu, he's had really good moments for uh, the Sydney Roosters. Mate, the other guy that I thought has been great so far this year and he's missed a couple of games and I think you can see the impact it's having on his team. Dane Gagai. He opened the season in an unbelievable fashion. You can also see how much his old team, South Sydney, are struggling without him. I think that they've moved Jackson Paulo back to left centre this year. I think he's you know, the third or fourth guy to wear that jersey. He's the guy they've started with. Nine rounds later, they're back to him playing there. I think Dane Gagai has had a cracking season. Unfortunately, he has been out for a couple of weeks and... I think the greatest compliment to Gagai is that you can see how his teams go without him, whether it's Newcastle or South Sydney. When he's not there, they're both really battling.
1: Yeah, it's a great call there. And to start the season, I have to agree with you. I had Isaac Tago and Dane Gagai as my centers. Um They started the year so well that it was impossible to look past them. Probably the other Smokey that I, I really want to um, mention is Joey Manu. Yeah. Again, I think he might be falling into that Daniel Tufo category where we actually just expect it from him so we don't give the credit um, statistically, Joey Manu has been better than Katoni Stags this year. So, um, again, I could definitely see why someone might have Joey Manu up there. He's been incredible. He hasn't been scoring um, as many tries, but he's also been setting up a lot of tries this year. He's had four tries this as well. Um, he's got plenty of line breaks, plenty of line break assists, and I've been really, really impressed with big Joey.
2: Mate, in the 5-8 role, I think there's just a standout one here, Cameron Munster. He has just been on another planet uh, for the Melbourne Storm. And it's been great to see because in previous years when the Melbourne Storm were up by 30 or 40, Cameron Munster, uh, he he puts the cue in the rack. And I I understand that. He's always been that sort of footballer, very similar to Wally Lewis. When they're in the trenches, he's going to be the guy with the football in his hand. But, mate, this year, I, I often use the analogy that if you're drowning in a pool, the Melbourne Storm, and this year Cameron Munster, they'll put the hose in your mouth. He has just been incredible. I think he's fitter than what he's ever been. I've said for the last few years that I think he's the best 5'8 in rugby league, but I actually think he's a better fullback than a 5'8". I'm looking at him right now going, the NRL should be very ha- Every other team should be extremely happy that this guy isn't playing fullback because I think with the fitness that he's showing at the moment and the way that he's popping all around the field, he would absolutely brain it at fullback if he was put back there.
1: Yeah, it's very interesting. I wonder if, if the Maroons would ever consider a move like that again because they did try it a few years ago and it worked really, really well. Eight games, four tries, 10 try assists, eight line break assists, 149 average metres. I can't go past Cameron Munster either. He's without a doubt been the best five eight this year. I do wonder with him being off contract. I think Storm probably could have locked him up on a million dollars a year. Now, you could probably even argue 1. 1.3, 1. 1.4 and, and he'd be the Dolphins. I mean, you've more or less got to go all in and offer him whatever he wants to keep him in this side. The Storm is such an exciting side to play. And like you said, he is a 5'8", might be better at fullback. The same could really be said about Jerome Hughes. You yep. look at the Storm spine and three of their spine are former fullbacks, and it just unlocks the way they play footy so, so well. And it's, it's just so fun to watch.
2: Mate, we were saying on Monday, if you're the Dolphins... What is the number where you say, no, that's too much for Munster? Like, I mean, he's the only marquee guy left that they can realistically get their paws on. Mate, I I can see a world where they're sort of forced to pay, you know, a 1.6 for him, which I think is huge overs, don't get me wrong. But that's sort of the position that they're finding themselves in as there are no more superstars left. And this superstar. He's playing his absolute best footy by a country mile. What's the, if you're the Dolphins, what's the absolute max you would pay for the best player you can possibly get, the best billboard guy you can possibly get in Cameron Munster?
0: Well,
1: like you said, it just comes down to the market at the time and the fact that there's no other marquee players left. If they find Cameron Munster in conjunction with Wayne Bennett there, oh, I think they're a great chance for the top eight, despite, no matter who else was around them that year. Um, we've seen Cameron Munster consistently across his career make players around him look better, and I think that without him, you take him straight out of that Dolphin side. I'm, I'm not even, you know, I'm I'm not convinced he's anywhere near the top eight. So for me, probably around the one and a half mil. I think you've got to also balance and be realistic in the sense that he's probably worth about one point two. If you go paying one point six, that's four hundred k less. You could sign on a depth half there, which is obviously really important in the NRL. So for me, I'd probably go somewhere around the 1.5 mark, which then brings into, like you said, 1.6 mil. If he asked for an extra 100K, you're not going to lose him over 100K, so you just cop it up. But for me, somewhere around the 1.5 mark.
2: Because, mate, you start to get to the point where you say, oh, you know, 1.5 1, 1, is probably where you need to pay him. But if we get to, you know, if he wants 1.6 and we get to a year away and the Dolphins are kicking off round one without a superstar, you're probably looking around at the room going, where the fuck did we spend that 100K that we signed? I mean, if he wants 1.7, you're probably going to look around the room and go, where the fuck did we spend that 200K that we couldn't spend on Munster, you know? It's a a crazy situation they find themselves in as all the dominoes around them just keep falling to other clubs. Mate, the other 5.8s in the competition that have impressed so far this year, I think Dylan Brown deserves a huge shout-out. I I realistically think he's been paying close to as good as this the last few years. He just hasn't had the stats on the board uh, for people to see. But Dylan Brown... He's just gone to a new level this year for the Parramatta Eels.
1: Yeah, he has. And it's interesting you mentioned stats, and I know stats aren't the everything in footy. And I believe I heard you say last year there's multiple times where he's not credited with the tri-assist. You know, make no mistake, he was the one that set it up. Well, last year, I think he had 2 tries. He's already at seven this year with four tries as well as that. For me, he's the clear second uh, this year um, to Cameron Munster, which is you know, no shame at all. Um, he's been incredible. He probably has locked himself into that sixth jersey for the Kiwis at the World Cup. Uh, one thing that might uh, sort of affect him to get that sixth jersey is the fact we have seen him play centre now, and the Kiwis are, might be short a few centres if Joey Marney moves to fullback. But Dylan Brown for me has been ultra impressive this year. It's probably the best uh, best season of his career to date, I would say. And someone else who's really impressed me is probably Sam Walker. I think. Um, if the Roosters are able to click, and, and it, it will still be Teddy and Keary's side, right? But I think that almost makes Sam Walker more dangerous in the sense that he doesn't have to control the team. He can just pick his moments and attack. And at this stage of his career, being young, enthusiastic, uh, I think that's almost better for him and a better role for him to play for the Roosters. But um, Dylan Brown and Sam Walker, they're my next clear option.
2: Mate, I'll tell you what, if I had to pick a third place after Brown, I don't know if I could get, go past Tommy Dearden up there in the North Queensland Cowboys. His game... Has just been incredible. I remember when people were telling me he was the problem at the Brisbane Broncos. He went up to the Cowboys. Everyone sort of said, why on earth the Cowboys going after this guy? Chad's walked into the building. And, mate, Tom Dearden, he is playing so much better than what I probably anticipated he would be playing. Not only this year, but probably in the next two or three years. I still thought he was a few years away from being um, not a consistent first grader. I didn't think he was that far off that. But he, he's being a real star this year, Tommy Dearden, in the sixth jersey.
1: I definitely agree with you, and I think a lot of that comes back to when he was at the Broncos. They were struggling at the side at the time; they were bottom four, wooden spoon years, and um, a, a lot of people sort of thought Tom and was the savior. He was the next big thing, but he was still a teenager at that point. And um, they had the game there with him, where he, I believe they beat the Roosters, and there's a photo of him with Cooper Cronk after, and everyone thinks they're sort of looking at the you know the old age versus the new age, and it was just really difficult for him to kick into that Broncos side. Looking back in hindsight now. For him to, you know, take the courage to move to a new structure from something he'd you know, been at the Broncos since he was 13 years old or something, for him to have the courage to go up, try a new system, back himself, and get himself really out of his comfort zone, I think now, one or two years later, we're really starting to see him reap the benefits of that move.
2: Mate, the, the other guy that I think has been really good this year, despite his team just being a fucking nightmare. I think Jack Whiten's played some good footy in the sixth jersey as well. I feel like whenever the Raiders score points, it's coming off the back of Jack. Uh, I think he's been pretty solid this year despite uh, how poorly his team has gone and despite uh, them getting a win on the weekend without him when they don't have too many Ws.
0: Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com achieve today.
1: Yeah, I do this um, concept where every game is, same as the Dallium, really, um, where I, I rank each player 3-2-1. And Jack White, statistically, for me, this is the third-best 5-8 this year. When the Raiders have won, um, it's been really because he stood up and taken control of that side.
2: Mate, let's move into the halfback stakes, and I think the number one pick is pretty obvious. Uh, Nico Hines for the Cronulla Sharks, for me. he His season, I cannot believe how it has played out. I cannot believe how quickly... He has transitioned into that seven jersey. I know people will say he played it in Queensland Cup. He's played seven before. Playing seven in Queensland Cup is so different to the NRL. Playing seven in Queensland Cup four years ago is so fucking different to the NRL. And as we've seen in a number of occasions, um, moving from the Melbourne Storm and going to another club, simply fitting into another system, let alone a new system with a new coach, uh, with guys that you have never played with before, what Nico Hines has done is unbelievable. And what he did on the weekend was probably the cherry on top. I was saying to Denon the other day that, you know, his game on the weekend, Rugby League Week, would have given him a 10 out of 10. And Denon sort of went, "No, of course they would have. And I sort of, you know, as you would know, mate, to get a Rugby League Week 10 was impossible back in the day. Uh, I spoke to one of the um, head editors a couple of months ago, and he handed out in 22 years or something, I think he handed out two or three of them. I thought... His game on the weekend, he essentially played halfback, fullback, and respectfully to uh, my little mate Matty Moylan, he pretty much played six as well, Nico Hines, a player down. He is on another level at the moment.
1: He is, and one thing that really adds the context to what you were saying in regards to being a halfback in the NRO, and I probably underestimated the, I guess, the pressure of it, was when Blake Carr publicly came out and said, I don't want to play halfback in the NRO, I'm not ready. And I just thought that, that showed a lot of maturity for him and it sort of put into context for me how difficult that position is. And Nico Hines this year has been absolutely unbelievable. He's my pick as well. Uh, I'm not really sure how much more I can add to what you said. Uh, he has been superb. The fact that he's come into a new system, I thought he was going to be the fullback. I thought it was a great signing. Then we started to hear he might be the 5'8". I thought, yep, that, that's that's great. I think I think he could play five eight. And then when I heard he was going to be the halfback, I... I must admit, I sort of internally served sort of the question, can he actually lead this fight around the park? Will that take away his best attributes that we've seen at fullback previously? And he has answered every question I've had and more. Um, you know, and there's been a lot of great halfbacks this year. A lot of great halfbacks this year. So for him to be outright number one, it just says so, so much.
2: And, mate, I, I, I agree with you. When I first heard he was going to play seven, I sort of went, no, that's not going to work. That's too much on his shoulders. And, Mate, it's impressive that it has worked, but it's even more impressive when you watch the way that the Sharks play and just how much ball movement, how many bodies there are in motion. It is it is a really complicated game plan that they play. There are so many moving pieces. It is crazy, and he has just fit in perfectly and made it look so easy. I've been so impressed with his kicking game as well. It was something that I didn't anticipate. I, like, on the weekend, there was a moment where he hit a 40-20. He mishit the ball terribly. Mate, he missed it by about 3.5 metres. I mean, what he's doing at the moment is just crazy, Nicker.
1: And to add some perspective to that also in what you said around the Sharks, um, having a, a really difficult sort of structure for a halfback to fit in, I do love Braden Trindle. I think he's a great young player, but I, will, I guess I will offer for the listeners, the Sharks haven't looked the same when Trindle's come on to play in the halfback role, have they?
2: No, nah, mate, without a doubt. It'll be very interesting to see how they go this weekend with him in the Seven Jersey, if they stick, with that side, I was talking to a random stats guy, and he made a really good point that I think Nico Hines has played 14 games at fullback so far in his career. He's won all 14 of them. So I think they play the Canberra Raiders this week. Um, as much as I prefer them with Nico at seven over Trindle, uh, Hines at fullback, that could be absolutely anything this weekend. It's Yeah, the
1: first thing that went to my mind was uh, sort of like the Cameron Munster situation, right, where they play in the halves, but when you move them to fullback, it, it, with the fitness and the control that they usually have in the halves, it just it adds another feather to their to their arrow at fullback there, and it just makes them even more dangerous. So that is a great, great uh, thought for Sharky's fans. And
2: mate, he's probably more fit than he's ever been when we've seen him in first grade right now. The, the amount of back-to-back games he's played where it's been his spot a whole preseason preparing that he knows he's going to be an 80-minute player every single week. It wasn't like that in Melbourne, so Hines... He's just going great guns at the moment. Mate, the next halfbacks after that, I had a list of a few. Uh, I had Chatty Townsend. I think he has been uh, possibly the signing of the year, not named Nico Hines, to start the season. He's been great, especially when you consider where the Cowboys were and where they are now. I think they're definitely the most improved side. I had Jerome Hughes. We just spoke about all of the Melbourne boys, and I'm sure we're going to talk about one more of them very soon in the 9 jersey, but I think that... Um, Jerome Hughes, as per usual, sort of been the unsung hero in this team. I think he's played some great footy. Adam Reynolds up at the Brisbane Broncos going great guns. Took him a little bit uh, to find his feet, but over the last few weeks, he's been incredible. Benny Hunt at the Dragons, I don't think he's getting the compliments that he deserves. He is carrying that team on his shoulders with back rowers playing 5'8", teenagers playing 5'8". It's been a very, very tough gig. He lost his hooker for a while there, so Hunt's been amazing and... My boy, Jackson Hastings, um, I mean, the the similar to Chad, from where he's taken that team to where they are now uh, is unbelievable. They, I thought that they were destined for a wooden spoon four weeks ago. Now I'm looking at the Tigers going, fuck, if they would have won one or two of their first four or five games they might be a top eight team. They might be able to push to play finals footy. Who did you have as your next best? I've just named half the fucking halfbacks in the competition, so I've probably stolen your limelight a little bit. But who did you have?
1: Yeah, you're like you said, it's so tough. I've got so many as well. Um, ben Hunt, every time the Dragons have won, he's been incredible. Three tries, uh, just games that, you know, without him, they most definitely lose. Mitchell Moses for the Eels. He leads the competition in tries. He's been unreal this year. Chad Townsend four tries this last week. Um, he partners, Tommy Dearden, who we mentioned previously, perfectly in the halves and everything happens around them. Adam Reynolds, um, he is just on another level now and without a doubt has shown that it was the wrong decision for Rabideaus to lose him. Nathan query hasn't played the full season, but the games he has played have been absolutely dominant. And Jerome Hughes, everything that the Storm do well comes off their spine. He's a key part of that. And, One thing I actually uh, went a little bit different with you, I went Jackson Hastings as a Smokey, and not Mm -hmm. out of disrespect, in in the sense that I actually consider him a genuine Smokey for halfback of the year, despite the talent of all the men that I've previously mentioned, because in the context of how Dalian points are scored in games, and we've seen this year a lot of players get threes and twos, even in losing sides, the amount that Jackson Hastings does for the Tigers, he is consistently the dominant player in their spine which we can't say for Cleary, we can't say for Hughes, we can't say for Mitchell Moses, etc. Because he is the dominant member of their spine, when the Tigers win games, he's going to be looking at three points. And even when they lose, for the sheer amount of times he touches the footy and the amount that he adds to that side, he could be looking at twos and ones also. So I, I, I dead set believe he's a genuine smoky for halfback of the year.
2: Mate, I remember when I first spoke to him when he got off the plane uh, a couple of months ago and I sort of said, what position are you going to play? And he genuinely said, mate, I don't know. I think I'll be six. And I said, okay, so you think they'll play Dewey at center? He goes, I probably don't think they will, so I don't know where that leaves me. And and then he genuinely said, I think there's a good chance I play 13, and there's even a world where I think I could play hooker. So to think that only a few months ago, he it like halfback looked like the most unlikely jersey for him to wear. He was mentioning six, 13, and nine uh, before he was mentioning the seven jersey. He came in, he got suspended for three weeks, he walked back in own that seven jersey. And, mate, I agree with you. I think that he is right up there with the best sevens. And as far as this M system goes, he could be a real little smoky this year.
1: In my predicted Tiger side, I did my best, sorry, Tiger side, not not for round one, but if they could name their best. I had Adam Dowie as my sixth and Luke Brooks as my seven. I went Jackson Hastings in the third end. Um And I sort of went that because we saw in the um, test matches he played for Britain how versatile he is. So I looked at it from a versatility perspective but if you if, if anyone suggests anyone else for that seven jersey at the tigers right now other than jackson hastings it's just plain outright wrong he has cemented himself as the tigers number seven and there's just, there's just no debate or no argument anymore and he's done it in such a short period of time that you, you really can't do anything but stand up and applaud
2: and mate people say it's crazy and that's fine but you watch the way that he plays Mate, when he's got some of the best ruck recognition as far as getting into dummy half and knowing when to run, knowing when to get on the front foot. I really do think that in the future with the way that he's able to play 7-6 and the way that he's able to jump into 13 and he's shown that he's got the ability to play 9 with a cool head that he's got. Mate, I genuinely think he could be a guy that could be like a state of origin sort of utility over the next few years, very early days. But, mate, based on what he's shown us this year, I, I can't push back on it.
1: And can I just say for Jackson Hastings and the sort of journey he's been on? I think what he did and went over to the Super League, ironed out the wrinkles in his game, and has come back a very polished, mature first grader. Uh, I've got I've got to ask the question here: Are you not surprised? Other I know it's a tough move to the UK, Rob, but are you not surprised other young playmakers that are stuck behind some of these established cars don't take the same journey that uh, Hastings has?
2: Well, mate, there's a number of them that have. I'll tell you what the difference is with Jacko. Jacko has got more drive than any of the others. There's a number of halfbacks over there that I think they went over there to sort of take a similar journey. They got over there, and they enjoyed their footy over there. They had a great time. There's no pressure on them. They're getting good money. They're flying to France every second week and having the time of their life. I look at Jacob Miller, who was as as talented as Jacko when he was 19. He went over there. He's never going to come back because he's having the time of his life over there. Hastings... He went over there for a purpose to improve himself, to get back to the NRL. And I think that drive is something that people are really undervaluing with Jacko. But I agree, mate. I spoke to him at the start of the season, um, and I sort of said to him, fuck, I think it would be unreal if Kyle Flanagan took the same journey as me. And, And Jacko said to me, you know, I've reached out to him, and I've said the exact same thing to him. Thankfully, Kyle Flanagan has been given an opportunity over the last few weeks. He's now playing first grade. We'll see how it goes. Um, in, in uh, over the next few weeks and months. But, mate, I agree. I think there should be more guys that are looking to do it. We've seen the Manly Seagulls. They have sent Cade Cust over there. He wasn't really been given an opportunity in NRL. He's gone over there. He's doing very well for himself. So, mate, there definitely is an avenue over there. Jai Fields over there at the moment. There's a number of guys there that I would love to see them return, but I, I don't want us to look at Jacko and think that that's a normal thing to do. I think what he's done is incredible. Uh, he went over there, mate. When he signed with Salford, he didn't know what Salford was or where it was. He didn't know it existed when he signed for them. Uh, to get over there, and for those that don't know the narrative, they were about to get relegated. He pulled them out of relegation with, I think, eight wins in a row off his back. And then the next year, they went all the way to the grand final and he got the the Man of the, Steel, uh, the Man of Steel award. I mean... It's a great narrative. It's fantastic, but I think it's almost unfair to say to other guys, "You should just do what Jacko did," because it's such a ridiculous story.
1: It is the drive he had to go over there and, and, you know, accept that this is the team, this is the reality of what I'm what I've what I've joined. I've joined a bottom four side, and straight away know that I'm I'm going to have the drive and determination here to improve myself first and foremost as a football player, but as a man away from football. Um, Jackson Hastings' journey, I would love to see it in a Netflix documentary one day, honestly. I know it sounds far-fetched, but it is absolutely incredible, the journey he has been on, on and off the field. Another thing, I know this is off the field, but I, I've got to bring it up. Returning it to the team that let him go, the Eagles last weekend, his team loses, he tries his heart out. Anyone could forgive him for being bitter after that game. Instead, he goes around with the groundsman, and helps clean up the field, and does a lap and makes sure he stops for every fan there. I think that really speaks volume to the character that he has and the fantastic man that he's become on and off the field.
2: Oh, mate, and, and you know, there's another example from a couple of years ago. He went to, to southford They were going to get relegated. He stayed with them at the end of that season. He had contract offers from all the big teams in England that were destined to be top four teams. He turned them down because he felt like he offered Salford something, and he sort of said, you know, I want to win a comp here, and everyone laughed at him they got all the way to the grand final. And I remember it was one thing that Jacko kept saying to me once he signed with the Tigers, and and like, I'll be completely honest. I was honest with him. I sort of said, fuck, I don't know if you've signed with the right club to be honest with you. And he kept saying, I've been in worse spots and made it work. We'll be okay. And I just sort of thought, fuck, I wonder if he actually knows how much of a bad spot the Tigers are in. But it, it, it hasn't worried him in the slightest, has it? He's just taken on the challenge and, I said it the other day, he's improved their football, but he's improved the DNA of the West Tigers. I have never looked at the West Tigers like I do right now for at least a decade. It's crazy.
1: Yeah, he's a true leader. You see him, when the Tigers are down, you see him behind the post, and you see him doing a lot of the talking, and I know he did say, um, I believe it was two rounds ago, that it's still James Palmow's team. James palmow is, is the captain, if you will, of the five or whatever they have, but Jackson Hastings in a year or two for me, he will be the captain of this side. I don't think anyone will argue when he's named captain of this side. And interestingly, he said that because in the context of that, he went over to the Super League and took a bottom four side to a grand final. I had actually completely overlooked that in my thoughts when he signed with the Tigers, and I also thought that might have been the wrong decision. I, I would have liked to have seen him return into um, you know one of these uh, more favourable football sides, but. The story that we're seeing play out right now with the Tigers and how sharp they've improved, it would be an absolute fairy tale and it would just add another great chapter of the Jackson Hastings book that not once, but twice in two different competitions, he has taken a team from bottom four, which the Tigers were last year, to, the in this case, the finals in the NRL and in the Super League to the grand final. It's an incredible story.
2: And, mate, the reality is he's taken them from bottom one three weeks ago and bottom one by a distance to potentially p- pushing for a finals footy spot it's incredible G'day, guys. Stay tuned. Later today, we're going to go into our forward pack of 2022 so far with Clarkie. And then later tonight, we're going to go into our coach of the year, about a 10 or 12-minute chat there about the best coaches in rugby league so far in 2022. So stay tuned for those two podcasts coming later today. You'll see the advertisement on Clarkie's Rugby League column and on my Instagram page as well. Stay tuned. It is an absolute cracker.